I'm excited this weekend to, to share a word with you that, that was not previously planned. And um, it, it's baptism weekend. There's a lot of times I'll preach a baptism message. But uh, walking away from last weekend, which wasn't that fun being together in, in one place. Um, it was an attendance record, obviously, and, and, um, and truthfully, it, I don't think we could, if we were in the new building last weekend, we would probably have to do two services based on the numbers. And so by the time we get to the new building, we'll probably be in three services, but that's okay. We're planning phase, phase two. Um, so anyways, um, <laughs> so just pray and give and pray and believe, right? We're back to that speech again, right? And so, um, but, but it was, it was fun. And I left there just with my heart so full and my spirit so so filled up. And, and I just, Monday, uh, we closed the offices down. Our, our staff has worked so hard between the Unite Conference uh, with, with John Maxwell and John Bevere. Hopefully you were there for that. And then the birthday and moving all of our church to another location. And so I gave everybody a, a day off so I could have a day off too. And, and I felt like I was given one and not taking one, right? It says, you see how I manipulated that? Anyways, um, I'm just kidding. But I wanted them to rest. And, and I began on Monday thinking, and I just thought, you know, uh, there's just something in my heart I want to share. And by Tuesday, I developed a new series. And so this weekend, I'm starting a series called Faith Forward. Um, Faith Forward. And... Um, and uh, yeah, it's hot off the presses, not planned. And, uh, and, and I, I wanted to subtitle it this, Faith Forward Because There Is No Other Way. There is no other way forward with God apart from faith. And so I want to work this out together. And so um, I said something uh, last weekend. Um, and, and when I said it, I thought, I like it. Now, there are things I say because I talk a lot. <laughs> and there are some things I say and think, oh, I'd like to have that back. I don't like that at all. And there are some things I say that I think, that must have been God. <laughs> you know, I don't know what I don't know what that says about the other stuff that I say when I can preach a whole message and have one thing that I think was God. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But but um, when I said it, I thought I, I like that. I think that was God. And what I said was, as as believers, essentially, it's what I said. As believers, we should always be believing God for something impossible, because we're believers. So we should be believing, not having believed, but believing, not having believed. That's how we became believers. But now as believers, we should be believing. And as I thought about that, I thought hey, for our church, like for what God wants to do, and, and I'm thinking specifically in your life, for your potential, for your purpose, for what God has called you to, and he has called you to something and he has a plan just for you. And, and for you to get to that, to walk in that, to step into that, to see what God can do through you and to see what God will do in you and to see how God will lead you, it requires faith for stuff that's not possible. It requires faith for stuff that's not probable. It requires it. And so that's, that's what we want to talk about. So we're going to be in Luke chapter 18, verse 18. This is a story of, of, of a person. We don't, we don't know their name. His title is the rich young ruler. Somebody remembers the rich young ruler from, from OG Sunday school. Say, hey. All right. So the rich young ruler. Um, 
And, and, and he has an encounter with Jesus. We don't know a lot about him. We know him to be a person of faith. Um, he doesn't seem to be a Sadducee because we come to understand he believes in the resurrection. By the way, that's what Sadducees, you know, they believe, but they didn't believe in the resurrection. That's why they were sad, you see, because they, I'm helping you remember, just teaching the Bible, just teaching the Bible, just loving Jesus. Okay, so, so anyways, but, but he's a person of faith, but, but he is, he, he is at a paradox. It's a, it's, a, it's a tension. He's a person of faith. He wants to move forward, but he's, he's stuck, really. Um, and he comes to Jesus, and, and they're trying to work it out, and there's a lot we can learn from it. Luke 18, verse 18, it says, A certain ruler said, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And he said, why do you call me good? There's none good except God alone. He said, you know the commandments, you know, don't commit adultery, don't murder, uh, don't steal, don't give false testimony, don't, you know, do honor your father and mother. And, and the rich young ruler said, I've kept all of these since I was a boy. And when Jesus heard this, he said, you still lack one thing, one thing. Everybody say one thing. Still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. And when he heard this, he became sad, very sad, because he was very wealthy. I, I want to talk for, for our time together. I want to, I want to share around this thought. I'm talking about faith forward, but, but here's where we start. Faith to let go. Faith to let go. Um, let's pray together. God, we love you. You're amazing. Um, it's just incredible. Just trying to come up with the, the idea, trying to wrap my brain around the fact that, God, we just really broken, marred people have gathered, but yet, God, you're here with us. You wanted to meet with us. More even than we probably even wanted to meet with you. God, you wanted to meet with us because it cost you more to meet with us than it did for us to meet with you. God, that's incredible. And so God, let this time not be wasted. But God, as we meet with you, will you speak by the power of your Holy Spirit words that transform, that change, God, that deliver, that set free, that heal, that restore, God, that, that even challenge us, God, to be everything you created us to be, God. Um, we're listening. We're hoping in you. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Faith the Lego. I think a lot of times when you talk about faith, faith has a lot of applications. Um, there's, there's obviously faith, faith to believe, faith to do. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of different ways that faith plays out in our lives. And I don't know if we've ever thought about faith playing out in the way of faith to let go. Faith to surrender. A lot of times when we're wanting to move forward in faith, we always think moving forward in faith is about the thing we need to do next, which is exactly what this rich young ruler is exactly what he's thinking. What do I need to do next? And sometimes there is something to do, but sometimes before you can do what's next, you have to let go of something now. This is that tension that I want to talk about. So if we're taking notes today. If you're taking notes, um, write, write this down. Three things. The first one is this, is that if it is comfortable, it is not faith. 
Um, I don't know if you've learned this in your life with God, but, but God has a way of, of, um, of keeping you uncomfortable. I, I don't know if he enjoys it, but it feels like it sometimes. And, and so here we have this rich young ruler. And in verse 18, it says, a certain ruler asked him, good teacher. And look at this question. Look at just the first part. What must I do? So here, here's what we know. He's a church man. He has some faith. He's kept the commandments. He is a believer in God. But he knows he's living below his potential. He, he feels like something, there has to be more than, than what he has. And he has a lot. He's the rich, he got bank. He's got the lake house and the mountain house and the beach house, right? Are you, he's got a lot, but he, he understands I, I'm, still, I'm, still, I'm still missing something. There's something that I'm, that I'm running into. There's, there's got to be more than this. And can I submit to you that faith is not a one-time proposition when it comes to God? That, that there is a faith required to leave Egypt but there is also a faith that is required to enter the promised land. And those obviously aren't the same because the people who had the faith to leave Egypt did not have the faith to enter the promised land. And I wonder how many people are stuck just on the other side of Egypt. Like, Jesus is my Savior. Yeah, but he's got an amazing plan. He's got an adventure for you. He has purpose for you. He has put potential in you. He has a hope and a future that you would actually enjoy if you had enough faith to move forward. Like, yes, you can, you can stay right. A little spring, a little pep in my step. You can stay easy now. No workman's comp. But anyways, no, I'm just kidding. We actually have that. But, um, but, but so many people I think are just living having had faith. Yeah, he's Jesus. Yep, he saved me. And we think this is all there is. But deep down inside, there is something telling us, hey, sure, there's more than this. Surely, surely there's, there's got to be something else. Like, I've, I've, I prayed the prayer. I've been to church. I downloaded the latest Hillsong album. I went and saw Young and Free the other night. Gotta be, gotta be something more. And, and here's where this guy's at. There's something, but here's the thing. As he's trying to follow Jesus, he immediately runs into something else. He wants to follow Jesus but the thing about following Jesus is <laughs> Jesus is going to pick the areas you have to trust him in. And he wants to follow Jesus, but he just ran into something and now he's trying to find a way around it. So look at the question. What must I do? Now he needed to give something up, but instead of giving something up, he wanted to figure out what he could do. And isn't that sometimes the way we negotiate with God in our lives is that when God is requiring us to give up something or to do something that is uncomfortable for us or that, or that places us in a place of discomfort, many times we will barter with God and offer God something else instead of the thing he's asking for. Oh, come on. Come on. God's like, this relationship's not for you. I didn't send him. Lord, I don't want to give him up. I'll be lonely. How about I, I join a serve team? 
Oh, come on, people. We negotiate with God all the time. God does not negotiate with, negotiate with us. He will not negotiate with the terrorists, but we will negotiate with him. We will hold our own life hostage and try to negotiate with God over it. And so God is wanting us, like God's like, hey, I want you to give up that position or to give up this thing or I want you to do it. And you're like, how about I just tithe, God? I'll give you some money. I'll pay you off. I'll make you an offer. And then <laughs> that's what I'm guilty. Surely you are. Am I the only one in here that's ever done this? Because God has a way of wanting me to be uncomfortable. And the way I mitigate that discomfort is to offer him something where I'm still comfortable. But yet I can say I offered him something. So then I can feel holy and comfortable when God is neither impressed by either. Because he's saying that's all good. But this is what I was after. Do you remember um, King, King Saul? King Saul, um, uh, they were going out to face the uh, uh, Amaleks, I believe. Um, Amalek, uh, Amaleks, Amalek, however you say it. I'm not Hebrew. Um, and so, uh, but it's King Agab, uh, Agag, um, Agag, which is what I do when I eat certain things. But anyways, <laughs> King Agag. <laughs> <laughs> Never give an ADD guy with a microphone. Um, but um, going out to face King Agag, and, and, and God says, I'm going to give you victory over them, but I want you to kill every living thing. Next thing you know, um, God is DMing Samuel, who was the judge, over, and he's saying, Samuel, your boy, I gave him, you had one job, I'll give you the victory, you kill every living thing. Uh, but that's not what he did. So Samuel shows up and he says, Saul, what's the deal, Saul? And Saul's like, um, well, see what had happened was uh, we did save the best of the animals. But we saved them so we could sacrifice them to the Lord. To which Samuel replies, basically, obedience is better than sacrifice. Here's the problem we have. Many times sacrifice in one area of our lives is easier than obedience in another area of our life. And when, when that tension happens, the way we mitigate not wanting to be obedient in this area is to sacrifice over here. The problem is, if God's calling you to something, it's never comfortable. And really what we're talking about is obedience is uncomfortable, but this sacrifice is comfortable. And so the way, the way we work this out is we are creatures. I don't know if y'all know this about Americans, but we are creatures of comfort. How many of you have air conditioning in your house? All right. Thank you. That's okay. Air conditioning in your car, air conditioning your house. If there's not air conditioning, you're not even going. How many? And so... We are creatures of comfort and we want to remain as humans. As we want to be as comfortable as we can. And so many times when faith is uncomfortable, we try to find a way to stay comfortable. So we offer something that looks like faith, but doesn't really cost like faith. Are you guys with me on this? But here's the problem. When I do that, I'm not just getting around the discomfort 
I'm sacrificing the miracle God wanted to do through my life. I'm I'm putting my potential on the off altar of my comfort. Amen. That's how I feel. Little man in the house. But do you see that? And and I don't want I don't want your comfort to cost your potential. And that and that's the danger. And that's what we see with see the, the rich young ruler was was willing to sacrifice what he was willing to sacrifice. He was willing to sacrifice what was comfortable, what he wanted, what he wanted to sacrifice. But here's the problem. Faith in, in the life of a believer, faith is, listen to me, it's not a necessity, it's a requirement. It's not a necessity, it's a requirement. Habakkuk is the first to say it, the just will live by faith. But Paul quotes it in the book of Romans, in the book of Galatians, and then whoever you think wrote Hebrews, but the artist formerly known as Paul quotes it in Hebrews as well. Are you with me? The, the, the just, that word just, or those who have been justified, some versions will say it this way, the righteous ones will live, not can live. I think we feel like faith is an option. Faith is the thing I do when nothing else works. When, when, when the doctor couldn't fix it, or the paycheck couldn't fix it, or you couldn't fix it, now we got to try to have faith. We tried everything else. But faith is actually a requirement. Um, and, and, and Paul said this to the Corinthians, we walk by faith and not by... Okay, would, would you, if, if you are blessed with eyesight, would you rather walk, walk around with your eyes open or closed? Right. Isn't it kind of uncomfortable walking around when you can't see? Like heaven, I don't know about you, but if I have to get up in the middle of the night to take care of business or whatever the case may be... Um, I don't, I don't actually want to wake up. So I try to just keep my eyes closed. But, but in my room, I can kind of navigate where, where it's at. Are, are you, is there nobody else that does this? Am I the only one that loves sleep this much? Okay. Thank glad we're all together. And so, but, but what if you put me like in, in a down, downtown in DFW and said, why don't you walk around blindfolded? How many know I'm going to straight up get run over? Remember Elf? The yellow ones don't stop. You remember that about the taxi? That's going to be really uncomfortable. But you know what Paul said? This is how, here's how right, the righteous live by faith. We walk by faith and not by sight. Here's what he's saying. We're going to walk in, in discomfort. Like this is what faith, if, if, if it's comfortable, it's probably not faith. This, this, is what, this is what faith, yeah, see, you're, you're worried too. We're, we're going to live and discover. But here's the problem. Here's the problem with faith. This is why it's so hard. Because it's required all the time. It's not like I have faith and then I get a break. If you're taking a break, it means you stop following. It's a constant. So if faith is a con, I'm going to work you out a math problem. If faith is required constantly. Plus, faith is uncomfortable. 
that equals you're going to be constantly uncomfortable. How do I know if I'm living a life of faith? Are you constantly uncomfortable? That's how you know. Like, I don't remember the last time I was comfortable. It would be nice. I sometimes fantasize about comfort. It's just not been an option. Why? Because I don't want to sacrifice my potential on an altar of my comfort. Do you remember the Shunammite woman? You remember, let me give you an example. Shunammite woman, remember her? So the Shunammite woman, so, so like Old Testament Shunam was in the Jezreel Valley just to the uh, west of kind of the bottom of the Sea of Galilee, right in there. And, and, and so Elisha, the prophet, would pass by there. And the Shunammite woman, who was a woman of faith and a woman of influence, a woman of means, tells her husband, hey, I'm a woman of faith. We assume he to be a, woman, a man of faith. She said, why don't we have faith to build this man of God a, a, a room so that when he comes by, he'll have a Holiday Inn Express. Just right here, we're just going to build it for him, this room that, that he can stay in, that he can live in. And so they have faith to construct this room for her. Now, now after this happens, um, the prophet says to his servant, he's like, hey, I want to bless this woman with something. Um, I think God wants to do something in her life more. Is there anything that, that God could do? And, and she actually said, no, I don't need anything. Like, I'm, I'm good. So then he sends his servant to be a private investigator and he comes back and says she doesn't have a kid she wants she wants a child and she doesn't have a child and so Elisha calls her in and says you're gonna have a child and she said don't you mess with me <laughs> here's what's interesting she had faith to believe in God she had faith to believe and put a room but there was one area in her life where she didn't have faith anymore so much so she wouldn't even verbalize it and that's the area God put his finger and said, this is where I want you to believe God. This is where I want you to have faith. This is where I want you to trust me. Isn't it interesting how God does that? And then get this, God gives her the baby. Then the baby dies. Isn't it interesting how God will actually, he will actually put, um, he will actually give you something you're believing for to use the thing you were asking for to increase your faith even more. Like he will use your faith to give you something you want, thinking that's just what you wanted, then use that thing to actually increase your faith. So she wants a baby. God gives her a baby. She finally believes for a baby. Then the baby dies, and then God heals the baby. Never comfortable. Never comfortable. Never comfortable. Faith is uncomfortable. Here, here's the second thing. Write this down. Um, God doesn't lead where faith isn't needed. Luke 18, 21, he says this. He says, all these things, because Jesus said, well, you know the commandments. He walks through them. And this rich young ruler says, I've done all the stuff. I, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Here's what he's saying. I've done all that. Now, first of all, we know he was deceived because you've never done it all. Like if you're in this room and you're like, there's nothing left for me to do. I've kind of done it all. I've taken all my next steps. I've kept the commandments. Got the list. 
got a t-shirt, I'm good. Then you are deceiving yourself and you are living below your potential because there is always another step. Can I just tell you, I have been saved a long, long time, like 35 years. I have been saved. I've been in ministry for over 20 years. I know I started when I was three. And can I tell you, I'm still taking steps. I still haven't done all the stuff. I still don't get all the stuff right. There's some steps I got to try a few times because I messed up this first time. There, there is. So, so, so first of all, he's, he's obviously lost, lost his mind. There's always another step. But, but here's what we really find out is that I think he was wanting to look at Jesus and say, hey, what I have done should be enough. In other words, he's saying, I want more. Now see, because he said, I want eternal life. You could also say abundant life. Here's what he's saying. I want more, but I don't want to trust more. Do you see that? Like this should be enough. I've done all that stuff. I've done all the stuff, but I'm still not walking in, in, in what I want to walk. I'm still not seeing what I, I'm still not experiencing what I want to, I've, I've done, but I, and so here he is. Now I know this, bless his heart. We would never be guilty of this. We would not do this because surely we would never expect for God to give us more without us having to trust him more. This is not something we would do because we've learned from him. Unfortunately, sometimes we want tomorrow's blessing from yesterday's faith. And if we're not careful, sometimes we sacrifice tomorrow's blessing because we stay in yesterday's faith. Because faith is not just faith to start. It's not just getting out of Egypt, if you will. It's not just salvation. Faith, faith is a process of walking it out step by step. The father of faith, Abraham, when God comes to Abraham, um, Abraham is the artist formerly known as Abram. His name was actually Abram, and then God changed it to Abraham. And when God comes to Abram, he says, I want you to leave out your, your family, your country, your people. You know, mom and them, you, you got to get away. And I want you to, look at this, go to a land. You don't know where it is, but I'm going to show you. So I would submit it took faith to, to leave, but then every step was faith because he didn't know exactly where he was going. He just knew he had a promise. Like I'm Mark, can I help you with something? You can't find God's promise with your wisdom. You can't get to God's promise with your discipline or your understanding or your effort. No, it is a step-by-step -step process of faith that, that he had to, it took faith to pack up the U-Haul, the right, and load up the camel. That took faith, but it also took faith every step of the journey because he didn't know exactly where he was going. And then that was one, if that wasn't enough, that's one level of faith. Fast forward 25 years, he has Isaac. And then we think Isaac is somewhere 18 to 20. So fast forward nearly 45 years and God's like, time to take another journey. Yeah. Oh, you thought you were done because you got the first promise. Yeah. You thought you were done. You thought you had done all the stuff because you walked with me for 25 years. Yeah. 
God said, now take the promise that I gave you that you wanted to a mountain and kill it. But here was the thing. He said, to a place will I will show you. And all of a sudden, it took faith to get the firewood. It took faith to get Isaac and then start the journey again. Every step. Are we there yet? Don't know. I don't guess so. Doesn't look like it. Don't feel like I'm there. And every step is a step. You don't just need faith for today. You didn't need faith yesterday as much as you need faith for tomorrow. Are you, you can't live today in yesterday's faith. Not and walk into all that God wants to do in your life. The Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. What's that word, please God? It's not saying with that. It's not talking about salvation. Now we're talking about living a life that is pleasing to God. What is the life that pleases God? When you live out his plan and his purpose and his destiny, when you walk in what he created you for, it's pleasing to him. And what he says is without faith, without faith, it's impossible to live the life that I've called you to. Why? Because every step is a step of faith, right? Every move you make, every breath you take, right? You know what I'm saying? It's, it's a step of faith. And God will never allow us, because he loves us so much and he wants us to reach our potential, he'll never allow us to live in a place where faith isn't required. Now, here's the merciful thing about God. He doesn't stretch every part of our life all at the same time, right? That would be torture. So like this rich young ruler, he will find the one place that's holding us back and he'll put his finger on it and say, let's work right here. Let's take the step right here. This is your next step. This is the thing that, that you need to do in order to move forward with me. This, this is the area in your life where I want you to trust me today. Can I ask you a question? Just between me and you, and I'm your friend. Are you living life today where there's an area of your life where you're absolutely, completely dependent on God? And you don't have to answer, but that's the way we're supposed to live. And I think sometimes God is so merciful, he will bring us into rough seasons to bring us back to faith because faith is required to walk in purpose and destiny and to please him. And for me, what I've, what I've tried to do in my life is say, okay, I get it, God. There's always going to be faith. It's always going to be required, always going to be attention. It's always going to be needed. It's always going to be necessary. And so I want to live I don't want to live today trying to have faith for me. I want to have faith for others. I want to have faith for bigger things. I want, I want to have faith to change the world because I know I'm going to have to walk in faith. So I can walk in faith just trying to survive another day or I can walk in faith trying to thrive and take over the world. Like we were in prayer this week and, and obviously with the building, we need several million dollars. And, and, um, and we were just praying over that. And all of a sudden I heard myself say something that when I heard myself say it, I was like, look at you. What was that? You know, like I had one of those because all of a sudden I was saying, God, your promise to pathway was we would lend and not borrow. So my faith today is not that you can pay for our building. My faith is that you so abundantly bless pathway. We pay for other church buildings of other churches who are in need that we pay off their mortgages. We pay off their debt. We help them plant their churches. We help them build our building. Like I want faith bigger than my thing. I want faith for somebody else. Are you with me? 
It's required, so I want to stay in that tension of faith. Now, now here's the third thing. And this is the thing we see with, with, with the rich young ruler is that what I hold on to, because see, sometimes I need faith to do, but sometimes I need faith to let go. And what we hold on to, write this down, what we hold on to can hold us back. Like this, is, this was my thought in reading this text. My thought was, I wonder what this guy was called to do. Right? I, like, I wonder what God's plan was for him, for him. Like, I wonder what his potential really was. Because Jesus offers him this opportunity. He's like, he's like, sell what you have and follow me. Now, Jesus didn't always tell people to follow him. Some people he would heal and they wanted to follow him. He's like, no, 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 no. You go back to your city. You go back to your town. So he didn't always ask everyone to follow him exactly like he asked this person. But he's like, sell what you have and come and follow me. Like, Jesus, I got a plan. I got a purpose. Like, this guy could have been another disciple. I don't know. He could have taken Judah's place for all we know. And I thought about what was the potential of this person's life that was not realized because he couldn't let go when Jesus put his finger on a particular area of his life. Like, what did it cost him? And then I thought, oh my God, I don't want it to cost me anything. I don't want it to cost you anything. That I want us to have faith to follow, faith to do, but also faith to let go. To, to not hold on to something that could actually hold us back for, from all that God has, has for us. Because here's what I realized. A faith that cost you nothing could cost you everything. Because that's what I saw in his life. Like this cost him. Let me say it another way. A faith that doesn't cost something can't cause something. And I thought this, this guy he missed, he missed his opportunity. He missed his, his potential because he just couldn't live in, he couldn't let go. He couldn't take that step in faith. And I thought about a chair, so I brought this chair. Not because I think I'm John Maxwell, but because I brought a chair. And, and I thought about faith. And, and I think sometimes we, we get mixed up on exactly what faith is. Like, for instance, if I look at this chair and I'm like, yeah, this is a good chair. I agree. This is a nice chair. I agree this chair was designed to, to hold more weight than I have. So this chair essentially was designed to hold me. Like, I agree. I agree. It's nice. It's a good, looks like a quality item. Good chair, strong. I believe it'll hold. It's a good, good chair. Yes, it is. Ooh, and I can be held by you. Yes, I can. They won't let me on the worship team, so that's kind of my blind audition right there. <laughs> Just hoping they're paying attention. And I think sometimes because I mentally agree, like I have mental assent, if you will, I have come to the conclusion. I have assessed, I have looked, I've read, I've studied, and I agree, this is a chair, and it's a good chair, and it's a strong chair, and this chair will hold me up. I agree, that is a good chair, this chair's strong, it will hold me up. If I were to sit down in this chair, it would definitely hold me, and a lot of times we say that's faith. I believe in the chair. I believe it's a good chair. I believe it's strong. And we say, okay, so I got faith in the chair. No? 
No, no, no. Because there's a difference between belief and trust. There's, there's a difference between mental assent and agreement and agreeing this is a good chair and, and this equality chair is a strong chair. And See, that's, that's not faith. That's agreement. And my concern is some people with God are this way. Like, he's a good God. I, I read the, the Bible stories. And I went to OG Sunday School where uh, we had the felt board. Do y'all remember felt boards? And then the air conditioner would kick on and blow Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to smithereens. Where'd they go? They're out of the fiery furnace. Oh, praise the Lord. Was it God? No, it was a whirlwind. Anyways. Um, and we think we have faith because, oh, yeah, I believe God's good. I trust. He's, good. he's a good God. Yeah, he's, I, I know. I read the Bible. All things work together for good. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Yeah. Hope in the Lord. Amen. And we think we have faith when all we've done was, is agree. Like we agree with the Bible. We agree with the song. We agree with what someone else said. But, but me sitting here talking about this chair, telling you how good this chair is, how strong this chair is, that's not having faith. That's agreement. Because faith, faith happens when I trust in it. See, it's one thing to talk, oh yeah, God's a good God, but, but did you put all your life in him? Are you resting? Like this is faith. It's also a chair that turns. <laughs> and everything turn, turn, turn. Never give an ADD guy chair. Um, but this is, this is faith. See, now this is, this, like it's one thing to say, oh yeah, he's a good God. He's a good God. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's good. You can put your whole life in God's hands. Everything's in his hands, Lord. Everything. You can put everything in God's hands. He's a good God. He's going to take care of you. Mm -hmm. He's going to supply all your needs. Absolutely. That's one thing. It's another thing to get over there and put your life in his hands. This is faith because now I'm trusting. See, I even got my feet up. I'm trusting. I'm trusting this chair with the full weight of my life. And that's a lot of weight. But see, the rich young ruler had a different problem. Because he was okay with putting some parts in the chair. But what we ran into is he's like, oh, I'll sit in the chair, but hang on, let me take my wallet out. Because I, I don't mind putting this in the chair, but I don't want to put that in the chair. Because that's how some people are like, you know what, you know what, it, I don't mind trusting God with my reality or my eternity. I'll trust God with my salvation, but I'm not going to trust him with my present reality. No, I, I need this placeholder here for when I die that I've trusted him with my salvation. But right now I kind of want to do what I want to do. I kind of want to live the way I want to live. Like I don't mind trusting him after I die. I just have a problem with trusting him before. I'll trust him with my salvation, but I won't trust him with my life right now. So I'm going to put my eternity in the chair, but, but I'm not ready for the rest of me to get in the chair. And then some people are like, you know, I, tr I can trust him with this. Trust him with this part of my life here. I don't mind trusting him. I can be trusting like this right here. Like I, I, I trust him. I don't mind. Like I trust him with this leg. I can even sometimes trust him with this leg if I can take this leg out here and then put the, and then I'll do this right here. 
And then you got like, then you got some Christians that are like one cheek Christians because they're just kind of like, <laughs> right, right. And they're and they're and they're they're trying. I mean, they're trying. And and but they got to keep one leg where they can whoop whoop if it gets unsteady. Whoa, easy God. Whoa, Jesus. And so we we oops, you got to easy there. Ooh, silver. All right. And so, and these are your control freaks, by the way. These are your control freaks because they got to keep one leg on the ground and the other leg they're trying to trust Jesus with. And like, I'll kind of trust you as long as I can. Ooh, you go back over. Oh, okay. If it gets a little bumpy, I don't. Come on. Because you can't, you can't be in control and have faith. Faith will cost you your control. Right? Are, are you with me? Like, like if you're a one cheeker, faith is going to cost you that. that could, you're going to have to turn the other cheek right there. You're going to have, whoa. <laughs> going to have to turn the other. Praise God. Get them both in there, Jesus. <laughs> I, had, so I had a guy asked me one time, he said, Pastor, you know, this person insulted me, did something, hurt my feelings, and I turned the other cheek, and then they did it again. What do I do? I said, turn around, you got two more cheeks. <laughs> and so, <laughs> but, but it's true sometimes that, that we, we, that Jesus wants, he wants all of our life. Yeah. Jesus doesn't want a part of your life. He doesn't want your Sunday morning in the chair. And not your Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday. Right? He doesn't want you in, in the chair, but then your relationships aren't in the chair. He, he wants all. This is what faith, this is the life of faith, where all of our life is in the chair. He wants us to trust everything to him. And that's hard because sometimes, remember, God doesn't stretch every part of our life at the same time. And so with us, there, there are times, like some of us were like, God, you can have my wallet. Just don't ask for my relationships. Don't ask for my bay or my boo because I ain't ready to give them to you. But I will tithe, Jesus, if you will let me stay in this relationship. Right? Some of us will put our marriage in the relation. We'll put our marriage in the chair. Anyways, stuck. I put my marriage in the chair, but I can I won't put my wallet. I won't put my time. I won't put my story. I won't put my potential. I won't. Some of us do it the other way. I don't. I'm ready to trust for that. And God's saying, no, 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 if I'm, if I'm a good chair, if I'm a strong chair, if you can trust me, then you got to understand for the life that I've called you to, for the purpose and the plans that I have for you, for what I want to do in and through your life, which is more than you can ask, think, or imagine, it's going to be required that you get all of you in the chair. Now, it's baptism weekend. And as I was praying about baptism weekend being this weekend, there are some people, you're already ready to be baptized. You've registered. You've signed up. Praise God. We're going to celebrate with you. But I was praying about it. I felt like God put this word in my heart that there are people who, who maybe have been baptized or maybe haven't, but maybe have been baptized 
But, but they keep struggling in the same area of their life. They keep going in the same circle. And, and I got this picture. Now, you got to understand how God talks to me, which is, I'm weird. But I got this picture because baptism is like, it's like a burial, right? That's the whole idea of going under the water. It's, it's a grave. It's symbolic of dying and being buried and being resurrected a new person. Like the old man dies and we leave all the, all the stuff we don't want, all the bad stuff, if you will, in the grave. And then God resurrects this new life. And so the idea of water is that it's a grave. And I got this picture of people who have been baptized, but they left their hand out or they left their leg out because there were some areas they couldn't let go of and they couldn't surrender. All of a sudden it looked like a zombie apocalypse. Like in the cemetery, there's like body parts together. It was freaking me out. And I just felt like the Lord said, hey, there's some people that have been stuck and maybe they've been baptized before, but when they were baptized, they didn't get all in the chair. They didn't take everything and leave it in the water. They brought some stuff back out with them. They left some stuff out of the grave. And I just felt like what God was saying was, if you could trust him to put everything in the chair and put everything, let it all go in the grave and leave what needs to stay, that he can cause you to move forward into the next phase of his plan and purpose for your life. And then I felt like, that's why I preached, I felt like it was a message for the whole church. Maybe, maybe you don't need to be baptized. Maybe it's not how God's moving on your heart, but here's what I'm saying. What, what, are, you, what are you leaving out of the chair? Because what you're holding on to could be holding, holding you back. What, what you're not able to get in the chair may be the thing that's keeping you from what God's called you to do, from what God has planned, His purposes for you. And I just felt this challenge for all of us to reevaluate how we're, how we're doing with the chair. To say, where am I at? Because what God's saying, for what I want to do in your life, I need you all in the chair. And for all of us, some, most of us, there's a lot of parts it's easy to put in the chair. But usually there's one part, like the rich young ruler. There's that one area where you're like, I'd rather sacrifice all these other things than put that one part in the chair. But God's saying, you know what? If you'll put that one part in the chair, if you'll trust me with everything, I will take you to places you never dreamed of. And I'll do things through you that you never imagined. I've got incredible plans and purposes for your life. If you can trust me with everything. Amen. Come on, you gonna trust him with everything? Yeah, come on, give Jesus a hand. Why don't you stand with me?